It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Hans Schult. Welcome to the show, Hans. Welcome awesome to become to, your own superhero. Awesome to be here with you, Laban. Thanks so thanks so much for having me, mate. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. And how would we say hello in Afrikaans? In Afrikaans? In Afrika. Gee, you said that pretty well, man. Um, you'd say if you wanted to say uh, if you wanted to say it really formally, you'd say Goeiedag, meneer, which would mean good day, sir. Goeiedag, meneer. Yeah, that, that was pretty yeah, good. Have I? That was Oy, good. I'm schwitzing like a mashugana here. <laughs> back, back in the old country, back in the back in the old days, if you didn't say manir, uh, you know, you got you got a you got a whack across the side of the head. So you always said manir to a manir. <laughs> well, do you know what? I uh, 15 years ago I got snoring surgery, Hans, and they lasered out my uvula, which is the punching bag in your throat, and drill out my nose. And before I got operated on, the the guy, the surgeon who was actually a, a Jewish guy, said to me, "Just letting you know, you're not going to be able to pronounce certain Hebrew words when you after the surgery." <laughs> and and uh, and I joke with him, "Oi, I'm schwitzing like a machine." <laughs> and um, but but with the benefit of hindsight, had I known about the diet and kept stopping drinking and smoking, I would have been able to cure um, snoring. So for anyone who's a really horrendous snorer. It's your diet and that you're a fat fucker. <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Man, so, awesome. And you are not a fat fucker. You're a very active man, Hans. Well, always trying to be, mate. Trying to trying to keep uh, balance in a, in a busy time. You know, I suppose that's, that's, the, that's the most important thing, keeping that balance so that it doesn't get out of control, you know. Well, let's let's give the world an introduction to who the great man Hans is, for people who don't know who you are. You know, it's funny. It's funny, Levin. I, I I would never refer to myself as uh, the great man Hans, but you know, just just the dude that's uh, that's trying to make my little patch a little better, I guess. And um, what what would you like to know? What would be useful? Well, I think it's important to share what you do for a living and how Mm. you impact organizations and how that ties into what we're talking about today. Okay. Okay. So I suppose, I suppose in a, in a nutshell, I mean, we we could spend three hours just talking about that, but you know, in a nutshell, really, I I work with um, CEOs, company owners and uh, really great entrepreneurs who are normally frustrated or concerned that they're not able to, to hit their scale targets, like really take 
their organization to the next level. I've, I've yet to meet an entrepreneur or a, a really great leader who doesn't have his, his personal understanding of self somehow linked to his organization. And in many respects, that's positive. But I'm, I'm still yet to meet one who has that linkage and is not deeply frustrated if they cannot um, move their organization uh, to the full potential that they've seen in their mind. Um, and, and I work with those people and help them help them get to where they need to go. And of course, that, there's lots of different things that stop them, right? So it could be personal stuff that needs to be resolved that's stopping them from building a great team. It could be that they haven't set really great boundaries, i.e. process in their business that allows their people to, to be accountable, to know what's up, um, but have ultimate freedom to become awesome within the, you know, the, the boundaries, bunch of different things that could be happening within a business. And so I get, I get a lot of satisfaction in, um, in watching people help other people and help organizations become amazing. So in a nutshell, mate, that's, that's really what I do for, for money, you know, for, yeah for, yeah, my, for, yeah, for my for my career, yeah. Rightly, rightly so, so too. And it, something just that dropped in my head as you were answering that question, Hans. I, <laughs> I rewatched Casino last night, and uh, with uh, Robert De Niro, one of my yeah, uh, uh, all your, uh, <laughs> and Joe Pesci. Um, and and I was curious to know: has have any criminal organisations ever sought out? Your services to improve their their operating system. That's that you know that's an interesting question, and and I'm I'm gonna let me answer it this way. Let me answer it this way. Um, a great mentor of mine, uh, Marshall Goldsmith, who is honestly, uh, you know, for the last probably 15 years, been rated as the number one executive coach in the world. Right? I mean, he's the first guy to be admitted into the coaching hall of fame in the world, right? A global thinker, an absolute genius guy. Um, you know, the ex-coach of Alan Mulally, you know, head of that massive uh, American Titan, coach of, uh, you know, the, you know, the IMF and the list is, is massive. Anyway, what he would always say to me is, you know, Hans, if you want to have 100% uh, effectiveness, in the business, in your business. What do you think it is? And, you know, I said to him, well, Marshall, I reckon, you know, you got to, you got to be, you got to be an awesome coach. You know, you got to have the, you got to have the best MBA and, you know, you got to have all the links to Harvard and, you, you know, you got to do the best research and you got to be right on the cutting edge of everything. And, and he said, yep, yep, all of that. But there's something else. And I'm like, oh, oh what else could it be? The best network, the best network, Marshall, that's what it is. And he's like, uh, actually, no. The truth of the matter is, Hans, if you want to have an absolute 100% um, effective business, choose your clients well. Make sure you choose your clients well. And on that time and time again. And if you want to have 100% success uh, in this business that I'm in, you have to choose your clients really, really well. And I think there's three things that I, I measure clients by. Uh, Laban, you know, three distinct things. And it's really, number one is humility. Um, that ability to to listen and to to learn. And people think humility is a weakness, but humility is probably one of the greatest strengths because 
Um, and and you, you'll know about this. When you, when you get challenged really hard in life, it normally humbles you. And when you're humble, all of a sudden, you're teachable. You're open to new things, right? And so humility is, is one of the metrics that I look for. And the second one is, is courage. Courage, because, you know, when you're faced with difficult things or, or hard things or hard choices or um, not optimal things, you need deep courage right from your gut to say, yep, this far and no further. And, you know, you need, sometimes you need to make really tough choices. And the third thing is, is something that I know resonates with you a lot, and that's discipline. So, you know, once you've, once you've set a course, it's about sticking to that course. It's about the cadence. It's about the conscientiousness. It's about the consistency of being able to push out on something. And, mate, I, I can tell you now, every single time I've stepped out of those boundaries of what Marshall, who is an older man than me, more wise, um, more experienced, told me a long time ago, I have problems, and when I don't, when I stick to when I stick to those rules, I tell you, man, I have the most fun in my life. I create memories, which I believe it's part of this life is to do is create great memories and great stories, and um, usually there's some great value creation too. So, so to answer your question, without saying anything, <laughs> I I'm very careful about how I choose my clients because. I'm, I'm looking to create impact. My tagline really is life is impact, you know, and what, what kind of impact do you want to make in this world? And so I think everybody has to answer that question for themselves. Well, it's a brilliant response. And the reason I think about these things from time to time, Hans, is I, uh, I've thought about as a speaker certain clients that I wouldn't work with. And, and then I've thought about like, well, maybe I can impact them in a way that helps turn them around by being involved. So it's kind of this like strange dichotomy. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's an interesting, that's a very interesting perspective. I think, um, and I can only talk for myself, right? I, I can't, I can't cast a stone at any other man, but I, but I will tell you this: that it's 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 real it's really well documented that you become like the people that you most spend your time with. And so I, I recognize that there are some people that have made some significant choices in their life and led them down different paths and, and that that's where they've gone. I think what I've come to, to realize as I, as I get closer and closer to sort of the, the mid part of my life is that when I was younger, I, I really used to feel like I could change anything. I could, I could change the whole world, right? I could, I could create a technology or a, I could come up with an IP or I could come up with a, you know, an AI or I could do something that would fundamentally change everything. And the older I've gotten, uh, the more I've realized that I have to actually be really focused on a niche or a target market or even a target audience that I can honestly make an impact on. And it's, it's to that degree. So there's two things. Number one, you become what you spend your time with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you need to decide what you want to become. Number two, I have a, 
a very realistic view on on what I really can do and what I really can't. And so I've personally made a made a very clear decision around, well, who will I work with? That doesn't mean that I won't give philanthropic help to, to people that are struggling or, or people that may have chosen um, a path that's different to mine. And I don't judge them for that. In, in my professional, from my professional perspective, I'm looking for a certain kind of person where you gel, where you get flow, where creativity is high, trust is high very quickly, and you're able to create great solutions very, very quickly. And, you know, like I said, I don't cast a stone at anyone, I um, but that, that's my methodology, mate. So I think the real question or the real answer here is I don't, I don't ever believe that I could ever change anyone. You know, I, I left that, I left that, you know, I left that behind a long time ago. I, I got taught that by, you know, by a, by a mother who didn't want to change. Right. And I believed I could change her. And she taught me there is no changing another human being on this planet. And so rather what I look for is alignment between people who want to go somewhere and hey, by the way, I might I might be wanting to go on that same journey for with you for a period of time, and why don't we collaborate on that instead of trying to, you know, force my way into a place where maybe I'm not even wanted, maybe I don't even want to be there. So I hope that answers the question, Laban. Beautifully, it's it's you probably answered it better than you realise, certainly for me, and the, the things that we've spoken about off camera were regarding family and the challenges associated with making the mistake of trying to change family, right? Oh, mate. And because it's easy to stay away from the people that aren't family or easier, and then when it is family, you want them to go along with you. And, and if they decide not to, then that's where you got to make that tough call. That's what I've been Dealing with, as you know, the last few days, you know. Yeah, 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 and I, and, I, and I think and I think that's um, I think that's a powerful thing, and I, and I think I think there's the concept of yeah, you know, how do I find peace and still have love while I know that I won't be able to exercise my will in this scenario, and family families families probably the most difficult because. You just because you feel so much, you know. If you didn't, if you didn't feel anything, it'd, it'd be easier, right? But because yeah. we love, we love because our emotions are, in, you know, involved, and in some ways we're spiritually interconnected. I suppose with family to a deeper degree than with other individuals. It's um, it's so painful when you know when you can see a, a, a route that you think is right, um, and people won't take it. It's it's. It's tough, but then again, you know, it's it's all about honoring everyone's journey and and reminding self all the time that, hey, if these people weren't on that journey, and I hadn't gone through what I went through, or I didn't see what I saw, or I didn't feel what I felt, you know, would I would I be me? Would I would I be thinking what I'm thinking right now, and would I, I be doing what I'm doing right now? So, it's it's tough, man. It's tough, but but I but I understand what you're saying. Oh, it's it's really good. You've helped sort of reaffirm what my intuition told me with regards to working with organisations that I'm not aligned with. 
And uh, I've shared this story um, a few times on the podcast. I mm. worked at a super fund at the end of last year for five weeks and was sacked with two days to go because someone took offense to a conversation that we had regarding the link between mental health and diet. Hmm. And and I knew actually from the, the first day that I put my foot in that organization's door that we were misaligned. <laughs> we were misaligned. And um, maybe it deliberately manifested itself aggressively enough to the point where I allowed my exit out of there. And, and they said that I wasn't sacked for that, but you don't need to read between the lines to figure, you know, put two and two together. But it was a really good life lesson for me. And it, it sort of made me realize the importance of working for myself, I think, and um, being my own boss. I really don't know that I could report into a traditional manager in the way that I have you have done in the past. Yeah. And I yeah. get the feeling it might be the same with you. Yeah, I mean, I've look, I've I've been doing my own thing and very powerfully collaborating. Um with a, with a lot of very powerful people, mate. I mean, you know, people that have achieved incredible things uh, with their life, you know, in, in terms of the, the general way we count success, right? And um, I count myself lucky to have to have been with those people. Um, I, if you, you know, every now and again, you come across someone that is visionary, so uh so focused so creative um really so powerful that you get this feeling like yeah, i would i would love to throw my hat into that ring you know i'd love to i'd love to jump into that ring with you and, and go not toe to toe but go back to back you know and, and go box it out with, with with you you know um but but i think i think the important thing laban and, and this is where i see a lot of people not reaching their potential in organizations is you know they 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 activate themselves out of fear rather than out of love you know they they're very unclear on what really gives them joy in terms of their work and and being alive really and if you think about how much time we spend working and creating you know trying to create like so many people reckon like well you know we've got to pay the bills and those that's real that's all, all of that's real and I, I don't mitigate that in any way but if, if people took a little bit more time, settled less, woke up a little more, and went, what do I mean by wake up? I mean, became more aware of really the conversation that's happening on the inside, like really how you feel about certain things. And then in a fearless kind of way, put yourself in really challenging circumstances, like really challenging places to figure out what you really love and what you really don't love. You'd have way more extraordinary organizations filled with way more extraordinary people who were on the right bus, in the right seat, doing the right things more of the time and reaching that potential quicker. And, um, you know, I think, I think you can work in an organization if, if, you, if you do that work, but I think it's easier to do it um, in, in our current situation with how organizations run on average, is to do it yourself and um, set your own, you know, set your own agenda, and find that target market that makes sense, and then speak to that audience that wants to hear what you've got to say, and be relentless in in knowing what you do bring, and seeking that out. 
because it gives you joy. I think I think that's that's the thing. There's a, there's an amazing book um, written about flow, and and I, I can't say the full word, uh, the full name of the, of the author, but it's called Flow. It's a it's Mihali Yitzchak Mihali, something like that. Anyway, it's hard hard the name to say, but. <laughs> Any anybody who kind of knows like group psychology and and that kind of thing knows about flow. And I always I always talk to um, leadership teams and I say, look, are the right people in the right seats? You know, is that happening? And they'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. But then I'll ask them and I'll talk to them about the word that doesn't often get talked about, and that's feel. You know, like when last did you feel flow? And they'll be like, huh? Like what? Like well, flow. Flow, like what? What is that? And it's flow is when time stops for all intents and purposes. It, it disappears. Time goes away. You'd be doing something. You'd be so ingrained, so in depth. You'd be so engaged that you may be living in a timeless, non-linear uh, plane. And before you know it, some amazing insight or some amazing work or some amazing output has materialized out of, you know, out, out of yourself and you feel energized, you feel amazing flow. And so I say, well, when last did you feel flow? And they oh, forgotten what flow feels like. And I'm like, well, wake up, get away, figure it out. And, um, you know, I think, I think the whole world would be more productive and an easier place to live in if we're all uh, operating at that level, you know? Hell yes. <laughs> I've, been, I've been privileged to be in a state of flow more times in the last 24 months than I had in my all my years combined. And, and I'm starting to figure out how to get into it more and more. And you're right, the productivity goes through the roof and, and you know, conversations that you have with people. Um, and I've, I've been blessed when, when at least one of them has been interviewing uh, a guest in front of 100 or so um, cricket uh, buddies or former players, at, you know, with my cricket club. And uh, it was just seamless and it just stuck with me. And it, it will stick will stuck with other people apparently too. So, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. And I, and I suppose because you've you you are a very learned man. You've you've completed your MBA, but it's more around this neuroscience, neurobiology side of things that I'd like to pick your brain a little bit on. Sure, anything anything you'd like to know. I mean, I don't I don't know everything. I can tell you that, but I like I really like to understand sort of the the neuro. Um, genesis of of why people do certain things, and you know, my my certain trajectory is is high performance uh, within organisations, and and you know, people unlocking their potential, and it's it's always extraordinary to me how um, we can hack uh, how we feel and our mindsets, and ultimately, your mindset really determines you know you know what what's manifesting in the world, and so that that ultimately comes down on many occasions to um, you know, microdoses of of uh, of hormones and and neurotransmitters, and and that's that's really interesting. So if you can learn how to how to hack those things, you can really learn how to hack your you know your experience of life and um, your experience of 
of uh, of what, what what success could mean for you and that that to me is is extraordinary um so it's it's not it's not something that i really work hard with uh within organizations but it's something that i'm always watching and thinking about okay this person happens to be operating this way what the heck's going on at a neurobiological level and and how could we help that person which i think is why you know these experiments that you run with uh, carnivorous living and you know unlocking the endorphins on a daily basis and you know getting getting to that optimal state is is so alluring to me it's why i'm super interested in in the work that you're doing you know well yeah it's i suppose once you get a wee taste of it like it really becomes addictive and you start you start realizing that what what we are told uh, isn't necessarily the case. And one thing I've come to learn, Hans, <laughs> which I think is hilarious, is that no one knows anything in the world. <laughs> like I'm being slightly dramatic, obviously, but not many people are authorities in a particular, you know, they might proclaim to be, but we're, like, and, I, and I'm not, I'm certainly not. But, and I think once you, re- once you start realising that people actually aren't as knowledgeable as what we thought they are, it's really, it's like it's liberating because, it you know, those those statues of limitations or whatever now become open and your brain, like, maybe I can levit- levitate across the floor, motherfucker. Like, maybe it's possible. We just haven't explored it well enough. You know what I mean? And, it, and I, But I suppose one of the questions I'd love to ask is with, with all the study you've done around the brain and and neuroscience what's one of the most interesting dis- dis- discoveries that you've come across over the last period of time um probably if, if i had to you know not go too micro on this but really yeah. go a little bit more meta um yeah i had i had misconceptions around the importance of sleep of rest and i, I think one of one of the most important things or one of the things that i'm asking pretty much all the CEOs that I work with at the moment and all the teams that I work with, to be honest with you, uh, Laban, you know, one of the sign-offs that I ask that I, that I leave with them is, and one of the metrics that I'm now tracking, which is kind of, kind of crazy if you think about it, is we put together some pretty amazing tracking tools to make sure your company is on track. But one of the things that I'm tracking on the leadership team always is how you're sleeping. And, and honestly, you know, Getting into getting into the nitty gritty. Now, there's some teams that, you know, they'll step right up and they'll, you know, they'll they'll go and get themselves a smart ring or they'll get themselves a smartwatch or they'll they'll get um, they'll get some technology to really track it. And others, you know, zero to ten and report it, report it, and and let's see trends. And and I would probably say that that is a massive insight for me. And and people would say, well, why? Well, why? Well. One of the biggest issues that I'm finding is, and especially through COVID and and some of the challenges that, that COVID have you know thrown up into the world, is just this um, this lack or you know this gap in the world with leaders specifically that when they're particularly under the pump or they're in really difficult situations, not all of them are able to maintain their resilience. Not all of them are man- able to maintain their emotional BQ. And some of the research that I've been looking at lately, just the correlations between, for instance, sleep and EQ. And people say, well, that's really obvious. 
like if you sleep you you're in a better mood right it's it's way deeper than that it's 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 really about cognitive functioning and um it's it's really powerful and and really if you think about eq and dealing with people in difficult circumstances which i personally believe where you know more are going to come um it's it's really about keeping the energy within the frontal lobe of your brain you know and it's it's being able to redirect your awareness to the right part of your brain and slow things down instead of reverting to you know that limbic system going back to the back of the brain um and going going more animalistic and you know EQ is all a part it's all about thinking through things you know and figuring out like where am i and where's this person what is the effect of what i'm about to do or say and i would have to say that that is probably um been a really interesting place for me to to unlock it's a great book on it mate it's um it's called why we sleep um the author cheapers oh, you know i'm not that good with authors i always remember i always remember the book but uh, the author Rip Van Winkle <laughs> no no you would you'd like to think it was rip but it's actually matthew walker it's matthew walker and it's uh, he, he's the author and it's why we sleep and it it's really it's the new science of sleep and dreams and and how how important it is i'll tell you one thing that really that really blew my mind about this was you know how how do memories form and where are memories formed and so that might be a question that i'd ask you and where do you think memories are formed and how do you think they're formed the the lame answer would be in our brains yep um the more uh existential answer now that you made me think about it might be in in our cells of our muscular fucking skeletal muscular skeletal system I interesting interesting so yeah. so there's there's a lot of science to say yep there's cellular memory and and that is one interesting thing which we could talk about for hours but you know we without getting into the absolute science of how a memory is formed there's a lot of evidence now that proves that if you don't have mrem so there's lots of different kinds of rem or rapid eye movement sleep which is typically known as the dreaming sleep right if you don't have enough mrem mrem is where you actually concretize your your memories so you and i might have a really great conversation today and we talk about some really cool stuff and it'll 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 reside in your short term memory you like your recall right but if for for whatever reason tonight you're not able to sleep and you you know you pull an all night or you know you don't have optimal sleep you don't have good mrem the chances that you are able to recall um you know even you, you know even 50% of what we talk about um that's a that's a reality so that's that's just so that's just so significant um and and that's that's one of the the biggest areas that i've really been looking at and being really interested in over the last period of time mate well i love rem stand in the <laughs> word, face think about uh, <laughs> but it's funny you know uh one of the things i was going to um, speak to you about you know particularly with regards to the diet is mm. that my ability to sleep like the fucking dead is unreal i very rarely have a bad night's sleep in fact i can't even tell you the last time um, it would have been last year and the reason behind it was 
it was toward the towards the end of the year and I was going through major financial pressure that I put on myself. Um, and it was two nights and I, I I think I had like four hours sleep both nights, which for some people might say, hey, that's awesome. <laughs> like, but mm. the ability to sleep and uh, which allows your body to heal uh, and mentally, physically, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think this ties into with my ability to get up and run every day, Hans. I went off caffeine for a, uh, was it a month this year? And because I got a smartwatch as well, my REM sleep increased by an hour. Exactly. And I'm devastated because black coffee is literally my only vice these days. And I know deep down here that I will be able to achieve more optimal results by knocking that out. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Uh, and, and you know, I would say this to you that, you know, there's there's a lot of for and against uh, caffeine and, and black coffee in general or coffee in general. And you, you need to find your you need to find your zone. You need to find your place. Um, but if, if you really if you really look into the science of coffee and I mean, we're getting we're getting in the weeds and science here. But if you have a really look at the science of coffee, you'll you'll you'll. And you really understand it neurobiologically, like really going to the neuroscience of it and look at the chemical action on your brain and how the molecules uh, actually interlink in your neuroreceptors and how that all works. I mean, we're not going to get into that in depth right now, but but I'll, t- I'll tell you it has a significant effect on you. And, and coffee is probably one of the easiest things to be addicted to. And, you know, that fog that, that comes and that, that sort of, the lethargy that comes you know with no caffeine and so people say well it's just because i need my coffee and no think about it for a second it's got nothing to do with that it's got nothing to do with putting coffee in your mouth it's got to do with your neurotransmitters aren't working correctly and you do that to yourself long enough and you impact the ability of your body to uh to self-correct and i think that's the most amazing thing about a human mate you know when, when i when i really stand back and 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 consider the human condition. One of the most amazing things is, I mean, a couple couple of weeks back, playing tennis, right? Playing tennis. Funny, stupid story triggered in my mind. And um, well, as you do, so tennis coach, you know, teaching us volleys and blah blah blah. Anyway, phew, hit the ball right over the wall and you know, right over the fence. In, you know, into the old age home that sort of sits next to the tennis courts. And I'm like, oh. And they're like, oh, you know, lost the ball. Like, oh, you know. Anyway, keep on playing. Hit the second one. Oh, over the wall. Like the tennis coach gets all grumpy. And I'm like, I don't want to worry about it. I'll go get the ball. Run outside. It's kind of dark. Been looking at the tennis lights. And and the tennis coach says, hey, maybe you want to go through the side if you're going to jump in the garden, right, and go get those balls. So I'm like, okay, run around the side of it, run around the side of the place and just blindly walk into the bush. And mate, little known to me, you know, this used to be a paddock, right? Back in the old days, like in the very old days, and there's some old rusty barbed wire fence there, mate. And I just walked into it at full speed. Ooh. It just, it just bit me, man. It bit me from, you know, from the from the beginning of my ankle right up to my knee. And the funniest thing, you know, is my immediate reaction was viper snake and i started jumping around and i was like hold on hold on i'm in i'm in new zealand mate there's no snake here but mate it just bled 
anyway, wh- wh- why do I tell you this story? Well, first of all, it's so stupid. And second, second of all, you know, a week and a half later, my, my leg is completely healed. And the point that I'm trying to make here and try and link this back to even organizational stuff is one of the things that always astounds me. It's just humans' ability to, uh, to adapt, to heal, to get stronger, to get better, to attenuate a mindset, to, you know, stop and start and you know, anything that you do, I guess, that, that stops you being really good at that or achieve full potential in that, I think, you know, it's worth thinking about. I, I, don't, I don't judge anybody. I just say, well, just think about it. Well, you know? it's I because uh, my fiance has given up. She's been given up for must be three months now. And mm-hmm. she was never a uh, – she only started drinking coffee when she met me or she had a couple before that. Um, wasn't really in her culture to drink it a lot. So I think she's found it a bit easier, not diminishing her experience at all, but um, it's just another addiction for me. And I'm, and I'm sick of conquering addictions. I want to start, you know, creating some, some, some cool shit. And, uh, and, and some of the other experimentational stuff I do has been with extended fasting, right? And up to 96 hours is the longest that I've fasted while uh, not consuming any food, just drinking electrolyte, um, which is just a salt, potassium, magnesium mix. And and I have done a period of dry fasting. And the science behind dry fasting is it's a much faster way of getting to a fasted state. And the deeper you are into a ketogenic um, state, where what they call therapeutic ketosis, it is your body repairs at rates like that you could not imagine some people have been experimenting with cancers and a bunch of other stuff and i'm so arrogantly confident now that if i ever got a chronic illness which i don't think i will because most of them are fucking diet related anyway um that i can fast my way out of it I, i really truly feel that that to be the case and i've seen like i've i got food poisoning late last year we had family over for dinner and there was some duck that was cooked and it was out in the sun and then I ate it the next day and I had oh. the most violent both ends that I, I actually passed out sitting on the toilet, fell forward and smashed my head on the <laughs> tiles and woke up like in a pool of diarrhea and and, and, Beautiful. and TMI. But um, I just I didn't eat or drink anything. And that was Christmas Eve at 3 a.m. that that happened. And by Christmas morning, I was having, I was having brunch with my fiance and her auntie and uncle. And I've and never you, recovered you, you, from food poisoning that quickly. And and you clean you cleaned up the mess, right? Cleaned up the mess, yeah. Good man, yeah. good man, good yeah. man. I, I hear you, mate. I, I hear you. I tell you, um, yeah, fasting is powerful. You you got to ask yourself, you know. I mean, we, we've adopted the fast with uh, apps like Zero and, and and others. I don't know what app you use to fast, but you know my my, my app is Zero. But yeah, but but yeah, but if you, if you think if you think about it, fasting has been part of um, you know the great theologies of 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 all time. The great thinkers would uh, would fast and then meditate and then you know get answers to some of life's biggest questions and. And and isn't that ironic? You know, you know, we look we look to other people to give us direction, and yet, you know, the 
the way is clear. You know, you, you, want, you want your body to heal? Give it a break every now and again. You, you want your body to heal? Put in the best stuff. You want your mind to heal? Rest, sleep, get, you know, do, do those things that, that we know. Um, you, you want to you go deeper? You want to become more aware? Go quiet. Go inside. Don't, don't be distracted. Switch off those apps, you know. Disconnect yourself for a bit. Have a bit of a have a bit of a, a fast on on social media, you know. Have a bit of a technology fast. If you think thought about that, yeah, powerful, right? I mean, food, mind, spirit, pulling these things together, top potential of a human. How do you become that superhero, mate? You know, that's that's always the question in the back of my mind, and it always comes down to discipline, courage, and humility to listen to someone someone else's someone else's stuff. You know, figure it out. So yeah, man, As I totally fact. agree with you. Well, the, the some of the fasting I've done when I've gone, when I've been past sort of seventy-two hours, my resting heart rate when I was as fittest I've ever been got down to uh, low forties, like forty-three. And Gee, when I did it, when I did a seventy-two good. hour, not bad for thirty-nine, right? Yeah, that's great. And when I got when I got down to 72 hours, my resting heart rate dropped down to 36, 35, 36 when I was sleeping, which is about two beats a minute higher than uh, Lance Armstrong when he was doping at his fittest. So, <laughs> Are you telling me you're like Lance, mate? <laughs> I don't way better than Lance. I don't fucking cheat in my, <laughs> my EPO. This is why I didn't like cyclists. Oh, mate. Listen, listen. I mean, you, you brought up Lance here for a minute. And, you know, Nick Minute, i got to tell you what I think about Lance. But Yeah, yeah, please. Know, I'm open to your, your thoughts. Well, 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 here's the thing, mate. You know, I um, like, like the whole world was, was shocked and not surprised, you know, by, by Lance's, uh, you know, expose. In, in 2005, 2006, somewhere around there, um, I signed up for um, an, a marathon mountain bike race. So I've always ridden bikes all my life. It's kind of been my thing, right? I love bikes. And um, I did the Cape Epic with um, with a partner, a guy by the name of Owen Honey. And Owen was a South African championship road cyclist and then got done for EPO, you know. And um, anyway, anyway, the point is I, I, just on Owen, I've, I've never met a guy who could sustain like 230 beats a minute for like hours. He's he is a freak, freak of nature that he could do it. So he had this he had this weird heart murmur asthma thing going on. He would take his ventolin pipe, mate, and his heart rate would go to like 230 and would stay there for like two hours. So when the climbs came, he'd take his ventolin and 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 go for it. You know. Anyway, cut a really long story short. This this race was, you know, nine days. It was over a thousand Ks. It was climbing of Everest, maybe two and a half times in that time. It's probably one of the most painful things I've ever done in my life, mate. And, you know, I, I did that, I did that ride. <clears throat> it's actually really interesting. At the end of that ride, Laban, I, I weighed some six foot four, um, got quite a heavy structure, like heavy bone structure, etc. But I weighed um, just shy of 90 kgs when I came off of that race, right? At the minute, I weigh like 106. That's kind of my, between 100 and 104 is my normal. 
with COVID and winter and all that, I'm sitting at 106 at the minute, but I was super, super lean. Anyway, I said to my wife, and Lance had always been my hero, right? I was like, I read all these books. I've checked all these stuff. I just loved his, you know, killer attitude. I just loved it, right? And um, I, I got back from the Cape Epic, and I said to my wife, I said, first thing I said to her, I said, honey, Lance, L- Lance is a cheat. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I promise you, Lance is a cheat. And he, she's like, what the heck are you talking about? And I'm like, I promise you, I know. Now I know. So you only know when you know. And I said, the pain that I've just gone through in for, for nine days, and those dudes do it for like three weeks, and they do double the mileage every day and double the, the climbing, and then they go out the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and so on. I said, there is no physical human way that that is possible without what those guys do at the speeds that they do it. And she was like, whatever, mate, you know, you, you just, you're just trying to put yourself in Lance's thing. And I was like, no, no, no. Anyway, lo and behold, there you go, mate. You know, it's one of the only times I've ever been right with my wife, just to tell you. <laughs> but that's a great, that's a great story. And I, and I don't want to hate on Lance because he's, um, he's, I think he's come out and apologized a few times now, hasn't he? No, um, no I've, I, look, I've always, I've, I've always had respect for Lance. I, you know, I'm astounded that he could do what he did the way he did it. But mate, I'm telling you <clears throat> just the fact that he could do what he did and he, and he dominated the way he did. There's a certain kind of genius to the guy that I still, how do you respect a cheater, mate, when everybody's cheating? You know, like everybody's focused on him being a cheater, but everybody cheated. You know, everybody was cheating. That, that was like part of the game. You, you speak, you, you listen to talks and talks and talks all over the internet from all of the guys that rode with Lance and rode at that time. It was common practice. This is what, this is how they did it, you know. And Lance just was really good at, uh, at using that, at using that tool, I suppose. So, I still have a little pain in my heart for Lance. You know, cheaters cheaters don't prosper, and I think that's that's the end of the story, which is great. But yeah. that doesn't make, that doesn't make him a bad human. I think he's I think he's learned a lot of humility. Remember that thing that we said? Learned a yeah, lot of humility yeah. through the massive challenges. Imagine having to give your 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 Marjan back, man. Imagine having to give your yellow jerseys back. Imagine imagine being held up in front of the whole world as the greatest cheat of you know, the 21st century. Holy crap. You Probably know, the greatest cheat ever. Well, we don't know, but yeah, so oh, far. Like, no. um, it's just, why don't they just make it like an open sport where you can use as much fucking EPO, drugs, fucking crack cocaine, whatever you want. Like, go <laughs> go for it. Make it an open event. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting, right? It's 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 an interesting question. Um, I've had a buddy who's been in sport broadcasting for his whole life. He's now a, a director of Sky Sport here in New Zealand, right? And um, super great guy, just super pragmatic, good guy. And I asked him that question. I said, you know, you know, why don't we just have a, the, 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 the dirty league, you know? And, <laughs> and, and he just said to me, look, it's, it's about brand. It's about, it's about, way deeper things and it's about the you know the social slide into you know where, where do we go next because people will always be looking for the next thing 
Yeah. And you know, we we don't we don't want to broadcast that. We we can't have our brand and more importantly, the people that actually add for these things, right? Like pay for the spectacle of the you know, of the Tour de France. They they don't want to be associated with it. They don't want their brand to be associated with it. So it's like that that's the reason. It's it's, it's actually money mate that drives us. Yeah. It's not really about right or wrong. It's it's about the advertising dollars at the end of the day, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, and I suppose if someone was to die of a heart attack or an overdose of something like like it's just it wouldn't work, you know. Um, interesting. It's it's a sport that I've never resonated with, and and I think that's why. I think the I just you'd never get the All Blacks coming out and being systematic doping like Essendon Football Club over here. Um, you know, it really ruined their brand. There was doping that went on that was. Uh, it was just, and it's part of the culture, you know. They didn't, they didn't actually do very well on it either. So, just interesting. I don't know. I, I don't like. I used to be a lazy motherfucker and seek shortcuts in everything I did. And there's still aspects of my life that I do try and seek shortcuts. But with with my health, I love finding out the evolutionary way of cutting past something because it's the most efficient. You've you got millions of years of beta testing to fall back on as opposed to taking caffeine tablets or whatever the fuck it is, you know? You see, you see, that, I think that's the perspective that I love. I just, I just love that. I just totally love that. Uh, I love that idea around um, biohacking and hacking into the deep intelligence of your body, you know, of your evolution. I think that is, that is, that is phenomenal, mate. And I think the more you can do that, the more that'll lead you to, yeah, to Nirvana, man, to that happy place, you know, that we're talking about, to potential. I think that's really yeah. true. I think that's I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> I, like I that. appreciate that. It's um it's it's just I just I'm so passionate about like human beings I really feel have been evolved to thrive and we we've forgotten we've lost that way. You know, the the Egyptians were known mm. affectionately as the wheat worshippers, right? And because of mummification and isotope testing and MRI that they can do now, they've worked out that that the the huge amounts of grains that the Egyptians used to consume were actually the cause of a huge amount of cardiovascular disease, a lot of metabolic syndrome. Their teeth were ground down because they used to sieve it with sand. And depending on how wealthy you were, you could you could buy better quality wheat that had less sand in it. And uh, and a lot of them died of chronic illness that, that the hunter-gatherers on the other side of the planet didn't die of. And um, I just I find that that some of that stuff so interesting. You know, we need to look at the past to, to set ourselves up for the future uh, more and more and more, in my humble opinion. I, I, ne- I never thought about that that way, and that, that's a really cool thing. Couple of couple of connections in my in my head around that. That's that's really interesting. Um, yeah. So so just thinking. I mean, just thinking about that trajectory, and you know that looking back to look forward. I mean, here's here's maybe a question for you, mate. I mean, I'm I'm pretty astounded at how openly you know you you discuss your past about how um, transparent you are about your past and, hey, this is where I've been, but, hey, this is where I'm going. I mean, where, where did you find the, 
Where, where did you find the internal energy to do that? And, and uh, let, let me tell you why I ask you this question. Over the last period of time, you know, I've I've been part of a couple of organizations where there's needed to be some changes right at the top, like right at the top. Um, people that were really good at what they did, but just could not face their own demons and enough to, to move forward quick enough. And it's really interesting to see it in you that, you know, you're able to, to really self-reflect really easily. And I just wanted to get your perspective real quick on what's made it so easy for you to look back. Because, I mean, you refer to yourself as a, you know, as a this and a that, and I did this and I did that, and I was a, I was a hacker and not in the best kind of way. And, you know, I was overweight and I was this and that, um, and now it's different. What, what's given you the energy to do that, Laban? You know, I've never had anyone ask me that question in that way. And I'm really glad you did because it's made me think about it. And and I honestly, truly believe that the reason why I've been able to become, become really comfortable talking about this stuff is because I have the energy and nutrition coursing through my veins that gives me the right amount of testosterone, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, to not give a fuck about what people think of me. And it's not that I'm impervious to thoughts or people's, you know, what they think of me, but compared to what I used to be like when I was a validation seeker and I sought the approval of everyone in my life, as I've sort of progressed and my confidence has grown and I've seen the power of vulnerability work day in, day out, it is the the, the shortcut to to connect with someone at a rate of knots that you just can't do anywhere else in life, I don't think. And I don't use it deliberately to try and extract information, but it's the more connected with someone you are, the more likely they are to do something for you and vice versa. And that that might sound a little bit untoward, but it's not the meaning. It's not not the the justification. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. To to answer your question, that's what I... I truly believe that it's all a direct result of my physio- my physiological state as a result of my diet and the ensuing exercise, gratitude, and all the other stuff that comes from it. And, and one of the things I've spoken about very publicly is that I really feel that if I could go back in time and someone said, you can go back in time five years, what would you do differently? I would change the diet straight away because the, the ramp up would have been a lot faster, I believe. Interesting. Brilliant, mate. I, look, I can see why you live this thing and why you, you know, you proselytize it, man, because it's it's made such a huge impact on your life. It's really interesting, and it's, it's going to give me cause to, as as I constantly look for ways to help people reach their potential in an organizational sense, is to, you know, I, I push on them. I, I try to be a great example myself, right? And I'm, I'm not a perfect example by by any means. Um, but I try to live a certain way, a certain code that, number one, gives me natural energy, gives me an outlook into life that's positive and good. And that, you know, as a, as a coach working in an organization, a lot of the time you've got to bear a lot of, of what's come, going on around you. And so I do do that. But 
I don't think I've ever pushed hard enough on uh, on people that aren't making the changes that they need to make. Um, and and so thank you for that. I appreciate that. No, mate, not at all. It's uh, it's something that I I'm working up more and more courage to become as I as I continue to self um, experiment and and to empower myself with more and more knowledge. I become I'm able to become more. Um, I don't know what the word is. The more, the more authoritative, like more confident in what I'm talking about. Mm. You know what I mean? And mm. um, that's all. I just want the truth. People can do what the fuck they like. If you know what the truth is and you still decide to go another direction, that's on you. But if you know the truth and you can make an informed decision, then like for me, that's, that's an ideal world. Mm. No, I like that. That's cool. That's, that's very, very cool, mate. Well, Hans. Very good. Uh, mate, let's let's uh, give you an opportunity to finish on something if you'd like before we wrap this up. I know you're a busy man, and this has been unbelievable from my end. And I know that our audience will be getting some absolute fucking gold dust. And if you're well, not, you're it, on the wrong podcast. <laughs> well, I hope it. I hope it. I hope it uh, hits hits the spot for one or two people out there, mate. I hope there's somebody that get get something. You know. Um. <laughs> Look, mate, it's 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 your it's your it's your go. You um you determine where we finish off, and you know I'll go with you, mate. No problem. Well, look, if there's if there's nothing that you that, like, any final quotes or anything you want to throw in there, it's it's uh, for me. This has been hopefully the first of many many engagements that you and I are going to have together, Hans. I, I um it's not often I get a, a, a this type of connection people that that get me um but it's really lovely when it happens so i'm i'm honored to have you on as a guest of the show and you know the insights that you've shared have just been really valuable just for me and i know that people listening will get some out of it so ladies and gentlemen hans schultz it's laban ditchburn and i really hope you're enjoying the podcast the reason for this message was this if you have your own podcast or your own youtube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training where I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.